Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Edwin. Are you awake over there? Oh, man, I'm awake. Good. (laughs) Glad to hear it. I am too, kind of, barely. Glad we get to discuss this. Hopefully that'll get the blood pumping. excited about Psalm 48, getting to talk about it again today. What are you reading from for us? Absolutely. So we've got Psalm 48 from the New International Version today. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. In the city of our God, his holy mountain. It is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Like the utmost heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. When the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, pain like that of a woman in labor. You destroyed them like ships of Tarshish, shattered by an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen. In the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Count her towers. Consider well her ramparts. View her citadels that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Well, I'm super glad that in an earlier conversation, we went ahead and highlighted that issue about the word Zaphon in that one passage because NIV actually translates it using that word. So the ESV talks about Mount Zion in the far north. Mm Mm-hmm. And here the NIV, what can you read Yeah, again? NIV in verse 2, like the utmost heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. Zaphon, again, was the hill upon which the Canaanites claimed that Baal lived huh. in the far north. So in it's, it's north. this mythical mountain where Baal lives, kind of like Olympus for the Greek gods and the Roman gods. Okay. Asgard for the German gods. Anyway... So there's some disagreement among folks about what's actually meant here. Mm -hmm. Is the psalmist borrowing this idea and basically saying the inhabitant of the holy mountain is not Baal, it's Yahweh, and using the Canaanite name for the hill? Or that word came to have in Hebrew a meaning of just north. Oh. In the in the north, in the and north. so you've got some translators that have chosen that. They're thinking they're just talking about in the north. But as we pointed out earlier in the week, th- this entire stanza is about the theological significance, not necessarily the geological and geographical significance. It's the idea that Jerusalem, mm-hmm. Zion, because it is God's dwelling place, is the highest hill. It is the northernmost. It is the one that is the top. The, the highest, the farthest, the most, because God is there, not because of where the hill itself is. And so I think that's a really important point for us just to remember now that we've got a translation that used that. However, we've already started getting to this point as we've been considering Jerusalem. And yesterday we 
we talked about the fact that obviously this psalm is written at a time of victory. Right. At a time of confidence. At a time where they're saying it'll be forever and ever. And yet we know, mm-hmm. now reading it thousands of years later, that it was not correct forever and ever. And that leaves us with a, a problem or a question or a riddle, something that we've got to figure out and solve. What on earth is going on here? How is it that the psalmist is saying this is going to be forever, and we look at the city of Jerusalem here on earth and discover that it's not? Yeah. It is not It is not the dwelling place of Yahweh anymore. Mm -hmm. It it ceased to be that some some time ago. He abandoned it when they disinvited him, was my word, yesterday. Now, he did come back Mm -hmm. and allowed them to rebuild it, but then Jesus came on the scene and they rejected Jesus. And Jesus points out that, look, because you did not recognize the day of your visitation, Mm -hmm. the nations are going to come upon you and they're going to bring judgment again. And that's exactly what happened in AD 70 Rome comes and conquers Jerusalem you know I was thinking about that Jesus even in prophesying of that destruction he gives this incredible um, detail of it in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 1 then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple and Jesus said to them do you not see all these things Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they're talking about the temple, the place where we're reading in Psalm 48 is going to be forever and ever. But here's Jesus Christ, the son of God, saying this thing's going to be dismantled brick by brick. Wow. And when we keep this psalm in mind, we understand that Jerusalem was going to be protected and preserved as long as God was its protector and mm-hmm. preserver as long mm-hmm. as he was its ramparts, mm-hmm. as long as he was its defender. And so seeing it destroyed, we recognize God ceased to be its defender and protector. And when he did, that city was shaken. It was judged, right? And uh, I think that helps give us a little bit of the sense of, of God's ultimate plan and ultimate workings for Jerusalem and for a city and a place where his name will dwell. Shaken is a well-chosen word. Specifically, it makes me think of Hebrews chapter 12, where the Hebrew author writing to Jewish Christians tells about what is going to happen with this earthly city of Jerusalem. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 18, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Boy, you know, what you just described there sounds a whole lot like Mount Sinai oh, yeah. and the giving of the law of Moses Yes, and, and, and telling Christians it's, it's not like when those Israelites came to that mountain. That's exactly what he's referring to. Okay. He goes on, For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Mm. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion. Huh. Hmm. That's what we've been talking about in Psalm 48. that's right. You're not come to Mount Sinai. You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. Well, that's Psalm 48. Hold on, though. The heavenly Jerusalem. 
and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, mm-hmm. and to the church, the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I know that was a lengthy reading there from Hebrews, but essentially, as you highlighted, he's making a distinction between Sinai and Zion. Right. But smack in the middle of it, we realize that the Zion he's talking about is actually not the earthly Jerusalem. Yeah, not that geographical Mount Zion that we've been talking about in Psalm 48. No, it is the ideal Jerusalem. It is the Jerusalem that Jerusalem was always supposed to be Mm. and yet did not measure up to, failed at. It is that heavenly Jerusalem. It is the Jerusalem that we find through Jesus Christ, Mount Zion. And what he points out is that when you come to Jesus... When you come to his church, you have actually come to the true Mount Zion. You have come to the true heavenly city of God. You have come to the true Jerusalem, and you've come to blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his blood cleanses us Mm -hmm. of our sins, washes them away, and allows us to be a part of that assembly of the firstborn, those who have an inheritance that's like having a double inheritance. But then he gets to this point, and that is there's judgment coming. He's talking to the Hebrew Christians. There is a judgment is coming when God is going to shake things out of the way that can be shaken, and he's going to leave behind what can't be shaken. And he says to them, they've actually already received what can't be shaken. They've already received the kingdom that can't right, be shaken. Right. What he's referring to, I think, is the destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah. All of those things. Think about the transition that's taking place. We often deal with struggles, especially for those who are Jewish who became Christians. Right. We realize that it, it would not have been appropriate for them to continue all the sacrifices that they were offering if Jesus is the sacrifice, and yet there's the struggle of transition. And if the if the temple is actually the church and no longer that building in Jerusalem, how's all that going to work? Well, God worked that out for us. Yeah. The Christians, whether Jews or Gentiles, they ended up not having to figure out how to make that transition. God made it for them because he brought in the Romans and he shook out what can be shaken. Well, what can be shaken? In an earthquake, what can be shaken? Yeah, all the buildings. Buildings, temples, walls. Yeah. All of those things can be shaken, and they went crumbling away. I'll tell you something else that was shaken out in that. All of the genealogies and the records all lost. burned up. Yeah, lost. And so this, this business of being able to claim my ancestry because of the genealogical record, all of that is shaken out yeah. and gone. What can I claim? I can claim I'm in Jesus Christ. And if I'm in Jesus Christ, then I'm a child of Abraham. What what could be shaken was shaken out. And what remained is what can't be shaken. The true heavenly Jerusalem, the true temple 
through Jesus Christ. Jews and Gentiles coming together by the blood of Jesus Christ to be that temple, that city of the living God. One of the things that happened upon Jesus' death, I think, highlights this transition, as you said, that perhaps this, or definitely this building of the temple stood for a few more years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50, it recounts Jesus upon the cross, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Now verse 51, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. That veil was in the temple and it divided the holy place and the holy of holies where the ark was, where the mercy seat was, where the presence of God and Shekinah glory, all that was there. And that veil needed to be there in part to signify God's holy presence of which no one can approach. And yet for that veil to be torn in two meant that God's holy presence was there no longer. Well, that the, the path to God's holy presence no more open. barrier there. Yeah, either. there's no more barrier. Now in Jesus Christ, we're carried right into the Holy of Holies. And Hebrews brings that up as well. The recognition that the tabernacle and the temple was a model of true reality, mm-hmm. the true throne of God. And now we are involved in that in Christ church. We are in that city surrounding where God really is as he dwells in our Midst. I just think about the priests, though, coming in there the next day. Mm. I mean, what is finding it torn? Signif- signification. <laughs> Sign- the significance being things have dramatically changed. Yes. God's way of dealing with people has dramatically changed. And 8070 was another moment like that. Things yeah. have dramatically changed. In fact, for the Jewish nation, it was the end. Yeah. It was a new heavens, a new earth. It was the establishment of a new order yeah. coming in. And that is exactly what we we're supposed to work. And we get to be a part of that. We yeah. are a part of that. And that's why this is the last days. We are a part of the last days from the time that Jesus died and was resurrected till the time he returns. These last days, this last age, this last time where we are the temple, the city of God. I know we've got a little bit more to say about that. Fortunately, we have one more day to talk about Psalm 48, so invite you to listen in again tomorrow. Let's go ahead and wrap up with a prayer. Holy God, we love you. We thank you. We pray that you would dwell with us and in us and among us, that you would bear your fruit through us, that we would simply be branches that are grafted into Jesus Christ, that his strength and life force would produce fruit in us that would bring you glory. We are so thankful to be your city, to be your temple, to be your holy dwelling. Let your glory shine in us. And may we demonstrate it to everyone we see and even to the authorities and rulers and cosmic powers in the heavenly places. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. 
Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.